0: Hello and welcome to the bizarre and fascinating details podcast. I'm your host Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me on this re-record. How you doing, Darcy? Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: I'm good. We're it's a beautiful day outside now, um, as opposed to the first time we tried to record this when it was, it was a tornado.
0: Um. <laughs> that was insane. Like you said, that I may be able to hear the sound of the rain on the recording, and I couldn't hear it during the Skype. But when I went back and listened to the recording that we made, I was like, "Holy crap, Yeah, it was like crazy <laughs> loud. yeah. So fortunately, it's a calm and
1: pretty day. Very yeah, outside yeah, though.
0: it's um intensely windy out here right now. So mm. um we had some snow squalls <laughs> things over the weekend. What is a squall? I guess it's just like an intense like um like a snowstorm, like a brief oh, okay. snowstorm, almost like a blizzard. Yeah, and it's supposed to um, decrease visibility and, like, mm. it's true. Like, one minute I was looking out the window at the streetlights outside of our house, and Jesus. the next minute it was dark. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so they just say, stay inside, you know, the limited visibility. Yeah. It's really cold and so forth. So it was interesting. I'd never heard – I'd heard of the word squall before, but I, I thought too. it was, like, a sea-related thing. Like a wave. Evidently, it's a weather-related thing too, which is interesting. So, anyway, um, let's. We're so we we need to record part of this episode. The other part ended up being okay because we recorded it as the storm died down. But this first part, um, I thought was really important that we get a good, solid recording of it, since the sound quality wasn't that great. But. Let's talk about Bob Saget.
1: Oh my gosh! Please, that's all I want to do is talk about this Bob Saget incident uh, injury because it doesn't make sense. So let's, I thought it was okay.
0: simple at first, like, and then I saw articles saying yeah. you know he had multiple fractures and COVID and all kinds of other stuff. So why don't you unwind this for us? Yes.
1: Okay. So he died on January 9th of this year. Um, he was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. He had just done a show and he was found like he didn't check out of his hotel and I believe the cleaning person went into the room to check or maybe somebody from hotel management went in to check because he didn't check out of his room and he was found on the bed yeah okay so i want to make it clear he was found on the bed not he was in the bed we don't know if he was like tucked in under the covers like we don't we don't know he was on the bed okay that's what the statement said um and the original kind of speculation was he hit his head on the headboard didn't know how serious a head injury he actually had, had and went to bed and did not wake up.
0: So when I hear you say something like that, immediately I say, how the hell do you hit your head on a headboard and die from it? Because, like, really? you get, There's enough force to hit your head on a headboard and kill yourself? And then so, immediately I'm reminded of the two cases, like the Sonny Bono and the yep. Natasha Richardson cases. Exactly. But those were skiing accidents, were they They not? were
1: both skiing accidents, yes. But it is possible to have a head injury and not know how serious it is that is a very severe head injury that causes a brain bleed that you don't know is there that is possible
0: okay so i'm assuming you're going to unwind this a little bit and let us know like how yes, it's because, because this this exact situation is a little bit
1: less feasible that, he, that there's there's a lot of questions about the situation so okay i've got the actual report of the autopsy um so he had considerable blunt force, force injuries to the head. He had an abrasion to his posterior scalp, so that's basically where he hit his head. He had a linear fracture at the base of the skull involving the right occipital bone and the right temporal bone. So the occipital bone is the one that's in the back of your skull, kind of it's kind of near the bottom of your skull. It's very, very, very thick because it protects like the base part of your brain, which is like breathing, heart rate. Respiration, Like, all those things that just keep you alive. Like, that's what it protects. So it needs to be very thick so that you don't injure those areas, right? Right. The temporal bone is on, like, the side of your head. And it is a considerably thinner bone. So that is not very difficult to fracture. He also had comminuted fractures of the roofs of the orbits involving the bilateral frontal bone. So bilateral means on both sides. Frontal bone is the one that's, like, your forehead. But he... He fractured the orbits of his eyes. So it's like kind of like your eyebrow, like that that bony part of your eyebrow, like it going behind your eyes. That's what he fractured. And at first, you're kind of like, how did he fracture all of these places with without falling like on his face? And yeah. a comminuted fracture of the frontal bone means it was broken into more than two places. So the way that this works is if you fall on the back of your head... It can cause an injury severe enough to send that force forward. Okay. To fracture that frontal bone. Right. All right. So he also had um, a subdural hematomas. Excuse me. He also had subarachnoid hematomas or hemorrhaging, which is basically blood in the areas between your scalp and your brain. So it's kind of like the protective areas. There should not be blood there. Normally. Right. And he also had contra coup contusions involving the bilateral frontal lobe and the bilateral temporal lobe. So just like the the areas of the skull, the brain are kind of labeled in the same way. So the frontal area, frontal lobe of your brain is in the front. The temporal lobe of your brains are on the side. So contra coup means that his head was moving at the time that it made the impact, as opposed to a coup injury, C O U P, where the the object that hit the head would have been moving and hit a stationary head.
0: Okay, so we got the difference of somebody hitting you with a baseball bat yep. versus you falling, falling down and hitting your own yep. head. so that's how we know he fell. Okay, and somebody didn't hit him with a baseball bat Correct. or a blunt so, object. So right?
1: yeah, and I want to be clear that you know at no point when I, when I saw these injuries, I was like, okay, this isn't lining up with a headboard story, but that doesn't mean anybody did anything to him.
0: Okay, so why don't you explain that because um, if he's, you know, hitting his head on a headboard or just yeah. kind of falling down in a hotel room, I, I, it's unbelievable for me to think that he would get that kind of damage to the back of his head from just falling down, slip and fall.
1: Right. And so what I did, because this is basically literally what I do for my job, is I calculated the forces and, and the, the, the speeds that he would have to be moving to produce forces large enough to actually incur this fracture at the back of his head. It is mathematically impossible to have happened on a, from a seated position leaning
0: back to the bed it could not have happened that way okay so he couldn't have just you know sat down and then well, i mean it's just kind of unbelievable that somebody would do that anyway how does one yeah. hit their head on a i mean i've hit my head on a headboard before mm-hmm. but not like i just fall backwards and hit my head enough to like do damage you know usually it's just yeah. a little bonk usually like if you hit your head on the headboard it's like you're leaning back to lay down on your pillow
1: and you misjudge the space and you hit your headboard on the way down
0: it just doesn't seem like an accident that yeah. would happen like yeah i killed and, myself by hitting my head on the headboard and and i want to kind of hedge my
1: bet here and this is going to kind of piss people off and i'm sorry but this is what we have to do in science is that because nobody saw this so nobody can say definitively what happened what didn't happen all we can do is rely on what the science tells us of how these injuries typically occur.
0: Okay. So my question though is he's in the bathroom. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not the youngest of men. He's 65. That's when mm-hmm. we start to have balance and motory sensory issues sure. or whatever, right? Because you're aging and your body's aging. Mm-hmm. But is that really the kind of injury you can get from just slipping in the bathroom and falling and hitting your head on the tile? So yes
1: and no is kind of, is the answer to that because yes, because I think that's
0: what happened. No. That he hit his head on the yeah. tile in the bathroom. But you said he had abrasions. You get abrasions from hitting your head yeah, on so a Yeah, so it's not ball? necessarily like,
1: it doesn't have to be a rough surface when you get an abrasion. Okay. Yeah, so that's just kind of like a, a, a mark, like a superficial mark that shows this is where you had an impact. So y- yes, but... So, abrasion doesn't necessarily
0: no. mean road rash. It just means some sort of a sign that you connected Correct. with something on the outer part of your skin, the Correct. outer part of your skin on your head. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, it's probably more like bruising um, on, on his scalp that he had. So, when there's a lot of experts that have been talking to people, various people in like the New York Times, People Magazine, all this stuff, and they're saying these injuries are more consistent with falling from a considerable height, like 20 to 30 feet- or being ejected from a moving vehicle. Well, okay, That's interesting. Yes, and from what I can tell you, from what I have also seen and worked on at my job, that is also what I've seen. Like That is the mechanism of this type of injury that is more commonly seen. So
0: it's more likely that he would have gotten this injury from a fall from a a significant height or a drop out of a vehicle. But it's not entirely impossible that he could have gotten these injuries from just a regular step and fall. So, like, if I I were given this
1: case, I would come to you with the results and say this story is the story of the theory that he hit his head on the headboard is inconsistent with the mechanisms and severity of injuries to him.
0: And that's what they said on the the report. That was the speculation as to how he had passed away. Yes, and that was
1: people at the scene said that. The medical examiner simply said an unwitnessed backward fall,
0: right? and they just assumed
1: that it was headboard. Right, just because he was on the bed, I think. But it could have been he got out of the bathroom and slipped and fell on the bathroom floor. But we know he hit his head on a flat surface and not an edged surface, like the side of the tub or the toilet, because that fracture pattern is different than the fracture pattern than when you hit just like a large flat surface. So because he just had okay. a singular lin- linear fracture, that means he hit his head on a very flat surface and not an edge, because you would get like an indentation and, you, and the lines I'm just would radiate trying to out. Think
0: of how you, I'm just trying to think of how you might fall in a hotel bathroom where he's 6'4", yeah. and falls flat on his back, like that's, number one, got to be a very large bathroom to be able to, yeah. th- to have the space for him to do that yeah. and not hit the sink but or he the also, shower. It's not like
1: he stayed at the Hojo. He didn't stay at the hotels you and I are staying at.
0: <laughs> right, but at the same time, I'm trying to think of what kind of a situation, and he's not in the shower, because if he was in the shower, he would have hit his head on the, something else right. besides just the ground. Yeah. So how does one fall in a hotel room and do that is my question. It just doesn't seem plausible. To me. It doesn't.
1: And the short answer is I don't know. And my counterpoint to that is nobody else does either. So there's not. He's a big guy. Yeah. I mean,
0: I just have a hard time believing he just had a, a normal slip and fall yeah. in a bathroom and gave himself enough damage to kill himself. And
1: this is a scenario where. Nine times out of 10, you normally, if you fell in the bathroom or fell in any other, which, any other conceivable way, he possibly could have fallen, which I don't think it was against the headboard. I don't think it was against the carpet because the carpet would absorb a considerable amount right. of force. So it had to have been a, a hard surface, but nine times out of 10, that wouldn't produce these severe injuries. And this is just okay. the freak thing that doesn't fly with the statistics of what we normally study. This doesn't work with what we normally see for these types of injuries. But we know it happened because it literally happened. Like the, we we can't argue the fact that that didn't happen. Right. You know. So
0: why do you think the families trying to block this from coming out? If there really was foul play involved, somebody needs to come forward.
1: Right. But I don't. There is no evidence of foul play, and I, and the injuries alone are not indicative of a foul play.
0: Right, but in order for him to have these sort of injuries, there's a good chance that he had to have had fallen out of a vehicle or or fallen from a significant... I mean, there's that small chance that he just slipped on the shower floor, but isn't it true that the majority of the times with these sort of injuries that it has to be more than just a slip and fall on the floor?
1: Yeah, the majority of the time, but not every single time. And that's that's where this is going to be the frustrating part for this, and this is why the family wanted to stop um the full autopsy release and the full record releases because they want to stop people from doing what we're doing right now which is speculating that somebody else was involved
0: but what if somebody really was
1: i think there is no evidence to show that any no that anybody else was involved they've already looked at like the um the hotel the key swipe like nobody else but him used his key to get in and like There was no evidence anybody else was in the room. Like, there's a lot of other things that have gone to investigating the scene that show that he was the only person there. So let's talk,
0: too. Like, was there drugs, alcohol involved in this?
1: No, there there were no drugs or alcohol. He was taking two medications that, at first glance, you might kind of be concerned about. He was taking... Clonopin, uh, which is an anti-anxiety medicine and he was taking Trazidone, which is an antidepressant that is also used to help people and sleep. And are the
0: side effects of either one of those loss of balance or dizziness or any of that kind of stuff?
1: There's always kind of the risk of loss of balance um, or dizziness. Or vertigo when you're at or that, whatnot. Yeah, when you're at that age. And especially when you're taking a medicine that's supposed to help you sleep. Um, so there's, that's always a risk. Right. But if he had had a reaction to that medicine, presumably he wouldn't take it he wouldn't take it again yeah and it, this is likely not the first time that he had taken those medicines okay. like this was a prescription that he had so there isn't any indication medically anything was wrong right with him he okay. had he was COVID positive
0: interesting and that can cause a loss of balance it can cause a
1: loss of balance and i don't know you some, know some th- of the there's effects. just so much we don't know about it that we don't know if it causes like cognitive side effects yeah because to me, the question is less about how he got these injuries and why he got in bed and thought that I don't need to go to the hospital. I'm Are you saying, Her Delia?
0: dog is like, yeah. weeks, and I would just want to reach out and pet her. She's so cute. <laughs>
1: she's,
0: yeah, um, she's, she's needy. Uh, so my thought, though, and I don't know about you. When I first heard about this and I first read it was, oh, boy. We have another celebrity that's overdosed right. and killed himself. And maybe that's an unfair kind of assumption, but it seems that he kind of, in the past, has sort of had a little bit of a party lifestyle, but I understand that now he had kind of cleaned his life up. I, and I think he kind of
1: aged out of, like, that whole lifestyle. I don't know enough about his background to know if he was, like, if he ever did go through that, like, hairband of yeah. the 80s phase. But you know, let's say he did. But I think, from all indications, he had cleaned up from that because there were no drugs and alcohol found in a system. Um, but you know, we, there's so much we just don't know about what happened, and there's there's no way to explain it. And we know he had he fell back, his head was moving, and he hit something flat, and it produced these
0: considerable. But not injuries. in a way that would we indicate he got hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat no. or somebody inflicted this right. upon him. Correct. He fell.
1: That is, a, that is, we are conclusive on the fact that he fell. Now, the symptoms of these typical kinds of injuries are like the worst headache you've ever had, seizures and vomiting. Wow. So like, that's kind of another question is how, is how he thought this wasn't serious. Yeah. And, you know, there's no number to say, so let's say he did fall in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say he did fall in the bathroom, and there's no number we can say he produced enough force to lose consciousness. We don't have a number we can well, put Well, clearly on he got up and went to the bed, so... Exactly. He didn't die where he fell, prob- most likely. So at some point he got up, lost consciousness or no, he may have been foggy, but he got up. But he typically would have had, and again I say typically because typically this wouldn't have happened in, in the situation that it happened in. But he typically would have had very considerable symptoms to make you think this is a very serious head injury because you brought up you brought up um Natasha Richardson and Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. And those were both ski injuries like you said, but they were also both it was very obvious at the time at the time that they had serious head injuries and they both declined well, I don't know about Sonny Bono, but I know Natasha Richardson declined medical assistance at the moment that she got hurt. Wow. So something like she she hit something or she fell in some way, and they said, "Are you okay? Do you want us to call an ambulance or something?" And they said she said no. So it was severe enough for other people to know, and maybe that's the situation with Bob Saget. Maybe nobody was there, so he just didn't think anything of it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you just think you know I just need to kind of sleep this off or. Sure. Yeah, which I, I brings up a very interesting point. Like if you ever do number 1, have a very severe headache, hit your head, etc., you need to see a doctor right away. Like if there, you, you, you shouldn't have a severe mess headache with as it. a
1: result of hitting your head. Definitely go see somebody.
0: Yeah, but even if you just hit your head hard, you should right, probably see but a doctor.
1: Yes. Um I just meant like if you just have a headache. If you have a headache that lasts for a long time, go see a doctor. But if you have a headache that comes kind of comes out of nowhere and doesn't last very long, I don't. you may not need to see a doctor for that. But if it's a result of hitting your head, 100% go see a doctor. And if you do hit your head, no matter what you think, keep an eye on it or have somebody keep an eye on it because you can have these severe brain injuries and not realize, and they don't manifest in a physical way.
0: Even though you said this sort of an injury, he would have thrown up and had some other things going on. Seizures. Yeah. His
1: injuries, yes. His injuries would. If you hit your head and have a brain injury without skull fractures or anything like that, it right. might not manifest in a physical I don't physical know. I have
0: way. a hard time just – So it's, it's that so is why wild. you need to keep an eye I didn't, I, have a, it's, I didn't know he had this severe of injuries. Like, this seems like major. Yeah. I think it was a surprise to everybody because of the way that they
1: released the story of we think he hit his head and just didn't think anything of it and fell back in bed. And I think that the really the issue is those original reports that said it was a minor he thought he had a minor injury and then this gets released and everybody's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this isn't a minor injury. How could yeah. anybody think this is a minor uh, yeah, injury? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the error happened. And that's what's leading to a lot of speculation. And I totally understand why the family wanted to prevent all of this speculation. Because what happened is very traumatic. It was a surprise. It was an unexpected event in their life. And they don't want a ton of people talking about it when they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and, and speculating that somebody else was involved and things like that. Because that's just hurtful for the family. Yeah. So I get that. Interesting.
0: Um, I'm going to talk about another case that has been huge in the media lately, and, and I'm going to talk about Anna Sorokin slash Anna Delvey. Okay. I, I know about this case because I've seen, like, the headlines, but that's literally it. I don't actually know what she did. I watched so I'm the Netflix series. I watched her interview with 2020. Like, I've, I've seen as much of this as I could just because I find it so interesting. <laughs> It's like the, they call her the Soho grifter and the Soho <laughs> influencer and the thief and a liar and a fraudster and a yeah. fake heiress and all this kind of stuff. And I just find it fascinating that she was able to ascend to the levels that she did within society that is very, very strict about who they let into their circles, that she convinced them to let her in. So yeah. let's start from the beginning. Anna Vadimovna was born January 23rd, 1991 in Russia. She was born into a working class family and grew up south of Moscow as one of two kids. Her dad was a truck driver and her mom owned a little grocery store slash convenience store before she quit that to become a housewife. So very kind of a okay. working class background. At some point mm-hmm. um, in 2007, the family moved to Germany and I think that's when their name got changed to um, Sorokin, Sor- Sorakin, or Sorakin, however you oh, okay. want to say it. They okay. dropped the A. So Anna was about 16 at that time, and she was described by people who knew her as quiet and shy, and she had a little bit of trouble, they said, learning uh, the German language. So I think that that presented some challenges for her. She graduated from secondary school in 2011 before going to London for college and then quitting and returning home to Germany pretty quickly. College just wasn't her her jam. Yeah. She then comes to New York City in 2013 shortly after a breakup. And she is attending New York Fashion Week. So maybe it's just like a little bit of a little vacation for her. Maybe she's trying to put that in the past. Okay. Um, She's young, idealistic, and ready to start this new life. She's got this middle-class background, no job, but initially things so initially things look pretty tough for her. But she has plans to fake it until she makes it, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's a success story for a lot of people. She's going to climb up by her bootstraps. And so she starts developing this plan in her head. Um, to begin with, she started working as an intern for a public relations company, and then she gets an internship at this magazine called Purple. And it's a French fashion magazine in Paris, but they also have offices in New York. So she also transfers to the offices in New York initially and then decides, hey, a working existence is not for me. I'm not down to have to like...
1: Oh, she just decides she doesn't want to have to like finance her
0: own life? No, that's what it sounds like. That must Um, be nice. They said that it... Possibly this was the time she started calling herself Anna Delvey. Oh, okay. Okay, so she's starting to formulate this plan in her mind, and after going to New York for Fashion Week, she basically makes these decisions about what she's going to do with her life and starts trying to introduce herself into high society of New York. Okay. Which is not an easy feat. And I find this case so interesting because of how she went about doing this. So she seizes on an idea, this concept to make herself basically an unemployed young woman with no connections or education into a successful wealthy woman and to do this she thinks she needs something like a gimmick so she thinks up the Anna Delvey Foundation and evidently this is the brain child that she probably spawned from too much champagne and too much ego is what I think but Mm -hmm. it was created and designed to be a sort of private members only organization or club and kind of an arts foundation all in one Wealthy New York Society members.
1: Okay, see, so when you said foundation, it kind of made me think a like charity, but that it's not what is happening.
0: No. Okay. I mean, her foundation has all of these elements within it that she plans on creating so that wealthy members of New York Society can use her foundation for their own purposes, that for art shows, for gotcha. galleries, for, you know, clubs and, and different things like that that are members only sort okay. of a thing. Charity is not necessarily members only. Right. right. Yeah. So she's got this new concept that she's brewing in her mind, and her plan is to lease the church missions house as sort of an events venue and an art studio. Okay. And she has neither an art background or a charitable background or an events background. So I don't know how she thinks she's going to do this. This is not a small feat because Anna's proposed venue is also known as 281 Park Avenue South in the Gramercy Park neighborhood of Manhattan. Okay. And this is a massive building. I don't know if you've seen it. I will post pictures of it in the um, Instagram this week. But it's a gorgeous building. And it, this part of town used to be known as Charity Row. And this is a very stunning building. It's historic. It was built in 1892 by Robert Gibson and Edward Neville Stent. The building was created in kind of a, a medieval style of architecture. And was inspired by buildings in Europe. The building basically served as the headquarters for church activities and charities for much of the 20th century, and is in the U- and is in the U.S. National Register of Historic Places now. Okay. It has about 33,000 square feet of space. Whoa. It is massive. Okay. So around this time, they also say Anna either lets it slip or somebody asks her about this, and she just kind of confirms that she's a German heiress. Oh. And, of course, no one, you know, she comes from money, and her father is, you know, a very, very wealthy man, and no one seems to verify this. But they just kind of take her out of the That's just work. her story. That's okay. her story. Gotcha. So she starts then kind of parlaying this into some connections, and in 2015, she meets a man by the name of Michael Zufu Huang. He's a student from the University of Pennsylvania, which seems kind of random. Right, well, he's hanging out in New York, and I don't know where I, I think Penn is kind of
1: near the Philly area. yeah, I know that's well, where Donald Trump went to school, so like I, she's in
0: New York in society, so how is she hanging out with some guy from the University of Pennsylvania? I think but, I think
1: it's I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people from like Penn hang out in New York. I know I know it's where Donald Trump went to school. Um, yeah, so uh,
0: well, in any case, um, the two had attended some kind of a posh dinner party. And Anna's trying to rub elbows with the quality and she kind of inserts herself into some conversations and she hears him having a conversation about opening up a private art museum. Okay. So she hones in on this guy and asserts herself inserts herself into the conversations. Like, this is my mark. Yep. She then manages to invite herself to an event that Huang is going to be attending in Venice. Some kind of an art festival would, or something inv- like that. Imagine that. Inviting yourself to Venice. Yeah, she gets herself like, invited to this Venice trip. And he basically pays for it, and he does it with the understanding that she's going to pay him back, which mm, also seems wild to me. I've never once in my life have I been like, hey, Darcy, I'm going to go to this festival. Hey, let me cover your ticket, and you you just pay me back. Like, we're talking, like, tens of
1: thousands of dollars, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. like, a lot of money. I'm,
1: I'm not good for that, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, me either. I don't care how much money I have. I'm never going to be good for that. <laughs> yeah. So they get back to New York, and little Miss Eris forgets all about paying him back. Oh, that's interesting. Surprise, surprise, yeah. right? Meanwhile, Huang assumes she's just forgetful, and he rolls with it. my gosh. And then she has this big, huge birthday party at this very posh restaurant in 2016, and the restaurant contacts Huang, asking him if he had Anna's contact information. Because evidently she'd booked the event with a credit card that was no longer working. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, again, surprise, surprise. So Huang is starting to get the sense that Anna is a little shady. And so he immediately contacts her and says, you need to pay up. Give me the money now. And she Venmo's him a payment from a totally different name. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. So Anna is hobnobbing all over New York by this time. And evidently she's charming because plenty of people were influenced by her. And these are legitimately wealthy people who she has impressed. So there's got to be something about her. I mean, she's when it, when you see pictures of her, you see she's not stunning. She's not gorgeous. She's not a model. Right. So there had to have been something in her personality, something in her tone, something in her voice, and the way she spoke that drew these yeah. people in. Because why else would they give her money and believe her, right? Even so... Anna is starting to have some low cash issues and she needs to start making some money. So she starts faking bank statements, making it look like she's loaded. Mm. And she's kind of letting it slide or slip that she's got 60 million pounds in, in these Swiss bank accounts. Mm. Okay. Okay. So by November 2016, Anna goes into City National Bank. She's got these sketchy documents with her, and she applies for a $22 million loan. What? Like, you gotta hand it to her. She doesn't start out small. She goes straight for the big stuff. $22 million. Okay. But Sydney National Bank isn't having it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) They weren't born yesterday, so they ask her to provide the source for the Swiss cash that she claims she has. And then she takes off. (laughs) She's just like... Sorry, I can't give you that information. And so she's like, my bad, I'm out of here. I'll take my loan somewhere else. And then she moves on to Fortress Investment Group, where she applies for a second loan. You know, the one from City National Bank being rejected because she can't follow through with her sources, right? Well, Fortress says, sure, but you're going to need to give us $100,000 for legal expenses as kind of a collateral type Mm -hmm. thing, which seems odd to me you have to it does, give like, $100,000 to get a loan. But, but
1: investment banks are weird. Like, they're not, like, capital-wise. I understand
0: putting up collateral. So maybe this was just kind of, like, their version of collateral, right? Yeah,
1: I think investment banks, like, look for ways to give out, like, loans and stuff like that. Like, I think that that's what they – I don't really know how investment banks work. Somebody that knows money things, right? in and tell us. But
0: it was supposed to cover legal expenses related to her getting this great big loan. Sure. So, Anna obviously doesn't have $100,000, no. so she goes back to Citibank. Oh, no. And she manages to finagle that money as a temporary overdraft to be repaid as soon as she gets the loan with Fortress. A
1: temporary overdraft of $100,000. Seems
0: bonkers. To yes. Me. So, by this point, Sorokin is passing out fake accounts, fake contacts fake financial advisors information and the higher-ups at fortress start looking in this in a little bit more detail and they see that anna is a little sketchy
1: so she's basically what she's doing is like floating checks so she's moving money yeah. between accounts mm-hmm. that she never had to begin with
0: exactly okay. which seems like one of the older yeah. fraud uh, schemes yeah. right and the bank though the fortress you know bank i mean they didn't get to the position they are today by just giving random people loans that they're not verifying and they see that her passport says that she's um russian when she's claiming that she's german Hmm. she's this german heiress Mm -hmm. right so that's a little off for them and so eventually after a few more of these little revelations fortress is like gonna yank this loan and she sees the writing on the wall and realizes hey i gotta get out of here too but the thing is, she still has that $100,000 overdraft fee from City National Bank. Okay. And she's already used up about $45,000 of it with the interactions with Fortress. Okay. So they say, okay, we're going to give you back $55,000 of this overdraft that you provided us since you're yanking the yeah. loan. Here you go. Um. Only she doesn't return the money to City National Bank. She spends it all on clothing and hotels. Because she doesn't have an apartment. She's not running a room, she's just staying in posh hotels oh around New gosh. York and Manhattan.
1: I feel like $55,000 for that kind of lifestyle doesn't take you very far in Manhattan.
0: No. And Anna clearly had very expensive tastes. She does not shop at Target. Yeah. <laughs> she prefers Gucci and Yves Saint Laurent and um she likes to stay at very expensive hotels that start at 400 a night or more. Yeah. So, by February 2017, Anna is racking up the hotel pills like crazy. And she also likes to tip in cash. And she's known for giving people that do very, very small tasks for her large tips, like 100 bucks. Okay. Hey, can you just run down to the front desk and get me a pen? Yeah. And then they come back and she gives them 100 bucks. Wow. Okay. So, where she's getting this right. money, no one freaking knows. But... She manages to stay at this hotel in Manhattan and racks up about $30,000 before management catches up with her and demands she pay up. She tries to send a bottle of really expensive vintage Dom Perignon to the to the front desk to get the staff on her side, kind of hush them. Oh, my gosh. But they're like, no, you got to yeah. pay up or get out. Yeah. And pay up or we're going to file charges against you. We're going to contact the police because that is a crime. Also, like, the staff,
1: A, they don't care that much about you to, like, stick their necks out, and B, what exactly could they have done to make, they can't well, make, I make a $30,000 charge go away. maybe she thought
0: that they were just going to kind of ignore her or just kind of let her stay, or maybe somebody would find a space for her that wasn't really being paid attention to and okay. in a dark hallway in the hotel and maybe just let her stay unattended, or I don't know what her thought was right, in her brain, okay. but clearly she thought that was going to have some impact on her ability she thought to this stay was a better plan at that than establishment. going to the hojo exactly, exactly. Um, but it's obvious by march 2017 that anna has run out of cash okay even though she's broke she's still dining out with friends and society members and basically just playing that game where she forgets she says she forgot her credit card okay i was going to ask so like, is the bill she gets using there and she's like at this
1: time or is everything in cash
0: whoops no she
1: had credit okay cards.
0: But she was like, whoops, I forgot my wallet. Uh, whoops, I forgot my credit card. You wouldn't mind paying, would you? Uh, and of course, the, of course, those sorts of people don't finagle. Right. They don't, like, sit there and go, oh, well, where's your that?" They just pay right. it because, you know, number one, they don't want to be embarrassed. And number two, like, that's how people with a lot of money often do. Right. Like, they're just like, whatever, I got you, you got me next time. But they also and because don't
1: make it a habit of, like, just giving away money because that's how they got their money, like...
0: Right, but then again, Anna had been going out with these people prior to this mm. and she had paid for many checks. Oh uh, yeah. And and so she had it seemed to them that like she was good. Gotcha. For it. Don't worry about it, you know, you can get it next time. Gotcha. That kind of a thing. So by April two thousand seventeen, Anna is just flat broke. And so she deposits about hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of fraudulent checks into a Citibank account. Mm. And she was able to get about $70,000 out with that cash so she could pay hotel bills and, and shop and whatnot. She then wires about $30,000 of that hotel bill, um, but she still refuses to provide a credit card, so she's evicted from the, that one hotel that she was staying in. Yeah. She also sends a forged wire transfer confirmation slip from Deutsche Bank for mm-hmm. the $35,000 fee and then books a charter flight to Nebraska to attend a Berkshire Hathaway conference. Because she determined she's going to meet Warren Buffett. Okay, So she's like, I have these big ideas. I need to talk to big people. So I'm going to book this flight. I'm going to find out where this guy is. And I'm going to go meet Warren Buffett. (laughs) Which
1: just seems just wild to me. Look, aim high, I guess. But like, Jesus.
0: But she had met the CEO for a company called Blade... Uh His name was Rob Weisenthal. She'd met this guy at a party and he allegedly vouched for her. Huh. And was like, yeah, she's a good chick. But then (laughs) the same guy reports her to the police in August 2017 because she's not paying back. She's not paying things she's supposed to pay for. Yeah. (laughs) In May 2017, Sorokin invites her friend Rachel Deloish Williams and a personal trainer. And her video, and her, she has a videographer. Okay, she tells them this is going to be an all-expense-paid journey to Morocco to Marrakesh. Uh. So she gets this little group together, which is this this girl Rachel, which was a friend of hers at the time, her personal trainer, and a videographer. And she's like, "We're going to go to Morocco. We're going to need. We're going to reset our systems and." We're just going to have an amazing time, and we're going to film it, and it's just going to be awesome. I think she's, like, thinking she's going to be, like, an influencer. Right. This is just going to be an amazing experience, Imagine being,
1: like, somebody's personal videographer. Like, that's your job.
0: She had influenced them and told them, this is what's going to happen, and aren't you excited? And they just went with it, thinking she was good for it. That is so crazy. She books this five-star luxury hotel, which is about $7,000 a night. Holy moly. It's got three bedrooms, a private swimming pool, a butler, and staff. Okay? So wow. they all get there and then her credit cards don't work. Oh. Surprise, surprise. And the hotel staff at this hotel are not playing. Right. They're like, pay up or you're gonna get you're gonna go to jail. Yeah. So Sorkin convinces this woman, her friend, Rachel Williams, to pay the bill. It's $62,000. Oh, my God. Okay. And this is presumably after they've stayed there, right? Yeah. You know, when they when they run the card at the end of your stay. Yeah. So presumably she had some money on there enough to let them run the card initially because yeah. they asked you for the card in advance. Yeah. Right. So this Williams girl pays for the bill using her own credit cards, personal ones and work ones. Oh. And... Anna promises to reimburse her immediately as soon as they get back. She's like, "I'm gonna wire transfer you the money. Everything's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it." But evidently, Williams paid for everything, including items purchased by Sorokin and a private tour of one of the gardens in the area. Oh my gosh! Despite repeated promises by Anna, Williams doesn't get the money. Well, yeah. There's no money. And she's get. freaking out because she put this on her work credit cards too. And she can't even pay her rent. She has to, like, borrow from her friends. Because Williams wasn't posh. Mm-hmm. She worked... I. It's my understanding that she worked for a magazine. She didn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And she thought, I'm going to go on this luxury vacation. Anna's going to take care of it because yeah. I've seen her do this before. And it was a scam. Wow. So, in the meantime, though, Sorokin is staying at all these expensive luxury hotels. And she returns to New York from Morocco in May... And moves into the the Beekman Hotel. Okay. There she runs up a bill of over $10,000 for 10 days oh and gosh. can't pay. And they're like, hey, we need money yeah. or we're going to prosecute. And she gets evicted. Then she goes to the Hotel W in New York Union Square where she tries to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to give them a credit card that maybe have a little bit of money on it. I'm going to stay as long as I can until they kick me out. After about two days of this, she's charged with theft of services, Mm -hmm. which is what basically they charge you with if you stay at a hotel and you can't pay. Yeah. But the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is on to her as well. And they're starting to investigate her for possible fraud charges related to her fortress and Citibank attempted loans Mm
1: -hmm. with all the
0: documents she kept providing, plus her... kite. It's kiting checks, right? Kiting checks, yeah. That's what they call it? Yeah. But basically, it's depositing checks into your account for money that you don't have, and then withdrawing the cash immediately, and then letting your account bounce, and you don't have the funds to pay for it. Yeah. So, on August 17th and 21st in 2017, Sorokin deposits some checks worth about $15,000 into her account at Signature Bank. So, she (laughs) runs the gamut, (laughs) gets all these other places, and then moves on to the next bank. And she withdrew about $8,000 in cash before the checks were returned. Okay. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is, like, hard on her by this point. Yeah. So a grand jury convenes in August 2017 and looks at these charges that are considered against her. So this grand jury indicts her on two counts of attempted grand larceny in first degree and three counts of grand larceny in the second degree and one count of grand larceny in the third degree as well as a count of misdemeanor theft of services for the fraudulent loan applications with Citibank and Fortress, she also gets charged for the check fraud and the cost of the trip to Morocco and the unpaid hotel and restaurant bills. So, as soon as she realized she wasn't going to get paid, Rachel Williams was like, "I'm, I'm trying to get some charges pressed here because this is ridiculous." With the hell that that poor woman had to go through with the stress, I, I don't blame her. Absolutely. So Sorokin gets arrested October 3rd, 2017. So evidently she didn't know about the charges until then because it says a sting operation was planned by Michael McCaffrey, an NYPD police officer working with a Manhattan district attorney's office. Oh, okay. So at that particular time, she was staying at Passages Malibu, a luxury rehab Mm. addiction treatment facility in LA on the beach or near the beach. So she's like, I'm going to stay at this luxurious Malibu beach house. I mean, it just... Why is she... Is she get in, a she job to rehab? I don't know it's a rehab addiction treatment facility so I wonder what she was addicted to it doesn't say like yeah it's, you, I don't think you can just check in just like a hotel
1: I think you have to like say you have to like work on addiction Yeah.
0: well in any case it's Passages Malibu I've so heard of that place you. yes but I do. in any case Rachel Williams is the one that helps set all this up the police convince her that she needs to help with this sting and she arranges to have lunch with Anna in a okay. restaurant near the passages place and she's gonna like okay. convince Sorokin to leave passages so they can arrest her
1: because oh. they can't
0: go into this facility They've, she's gotta come out right because it's a private so she convinces property. her and Anna leaves the facility and gets arrested by the Los Angeles Police Department she's then um, extradited to Manhattan or to New York later that month okay um mm-hmm. December 18th, 2018. I'm going to flash forward to that. Sorokin appears in New York City criminal court. And they actually offered her a plea deal to begin with. She was going to get her, she was going to get three to nine years in prison. And Uh I think initially she was keen to take that deal because she realized, um, I've done a lot of really shady things and I need Mm -hmm. to get out while I can. Um, But then she decides to reject that. And the, the Netflix Why? series kind of makes it sound as though she had this interview with a reporter and the reporter convinced her not to take the deal, that she needed to have her story told and that she was only going to have a very short 15 minutes of fame if she took the plea deal and then disappear and they were going to deport her. So the rep- it made it sound like the reporter was like, hey, you know, man up and be a woman and get your name out here and I can help you and this sort of a trial is going to huh. give you a big name. And I think above all, Anna wanted to be famous. She wanted to have her name known. She wanted people to know who she was, and so she took right. the route that she thought was going to get her that. Do you think that that's actually what
1: happened, or is that a TV? Um, I
0: think she did. Just ha- seeing the interviews with her, it it seems as though she's a very egocentric kind of person, and right. she wants to be known. There's no mistake. All of this is very, very cleverly planned and manipulated to create the situation where she's going to get the most, the maximum coverage. So her trial starts March twentieth, two thousand (laughs) nineteen. And what's wild about this is basically she arranges for a professional stylist (gasps) to like create her outfits for her. She has to have her hair done. She has to have her makeup perfectly done, and everything has to be perfectly like situated for her so that she when she gets her picture taken she's getting the maximum coverage of herself in the best yes. possible light and on friday one day of the trial anna refuses to enter the courtroom because she didn't want to appear in her prison issued clothing evidently her c- okay don't think that's well. Really evidently often. her civilian outfit for the day hadn't been ironed oh heavens So she wouldn't go, and they had to delay the trial for a brief period of time until she was forced to appear. I mean, can you imagine? Like, you're a criminal being charged in a criminal case, and you're like, you know what? My outfit isn't ready. I don't think I'm going in. (laughs) The audacity. So her lawyer, though, defends her, saying that her intent all along was to repay this debt and the services were given to her in exchange for publicity on Instagram. Imagine being
1: her attorney. I can't imagine. And, like, signing up for this, being like, I know I'm not going to get paid. What am I doing? Yeah,
0: I can't even imagine. So, yeah. but he's, like, trying to paint this, like, she's this Instagram influencer. They were giving right. her these things in exchange for her promotion, right? She didn't steal mm-hmm. anything. She was given all of this. Usually when stuff like that
1: happens, you have to, like, sign something
0: or, yeah. you know, there's documentation. She didn't have it or- and he also describes her as an entrepreneur, The comparison to frank sinatra which unbelievable right april 25th 2019 the jury deliberates for two days and finds her guilty of eight charges she gets charged or excuse me she's convicted of the grand larceny in the second degree attempted grand larceny and theft of services they found her not guilty on two of the other charges one of them was the attempted grand larceny at the first degree relating to the loan at city national bank And one of them was for the theft of the $62,000 from Rachel Williams in Marrakesh. Okay. So May 9th, 2019, Anna is sentenced to four to 12 years in state prison. Not federal. Distinction, right? She gets fined $24,000, and they tell her she has to pay restitution in about the amount of $200,000. So she gets incarcerated at Rikers Island, which seems pretty hardcore for a financial crime. Ooh, that is brutal. And after the trial, she's with the New York State Department of Corrections and is, ini- excuse me, is initially housed at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women before being transferred to the Albion Correctional Facility. She was released okay. February 11th, 2021. And then in March 2021, she was taken back into custody by the Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE for overstaying her visa. Mm. At the moment, she is currently being held in a in a New Jersey County Jail by ICE. They're trying to deport her to Germany, where she is she's contesting this this deportation. But Why? essentially, they want to get her the hell out and get her back to Germany, deport her. But but it's interesting um, that because is fascinating. she. I mean, I think theft and fraud are pretty common um, yeah. in a lot of ways throughout history. Right, but this woman yeah, oh who yeah. basically had oh my god, and the actress that plays um, Anna in the Netflix series, mm-hmm. I I don't like her portrayal. She's the girl from um Oz, what's Ozarks? Ozarks. She's also in the Americans. I love her. I don't like her portrayal. I like her in the Ozarks, oh, okay. but I don't like the portrayal in the Netflix series. Interesting. Um, okay. She just it it's maybe it's more my. Um, sort of biased because I've seen her in Ozarks, and I, it's hard to see her in anything mm-hmm. other than that country hillbilly kind of Ozark backwoods thing. Oh, see, and okay. Anna is yeah. supposed see, to be I class. first right?
1: Yeah, I first, it was introduced to her from the Americans. So I have a different kind of perspective of her. But it's
0: interesting because the Netflix series delves into her personal relationships and implies that she dated this entrepreneur, a fellow entrepreneur, and he paid for a lot of things for her and that she kind of got into these upper echelons of society by telling them about paintings they should buy and doing these little impromptu visits on yachts and things of that nature. And I just, I find that hard to believe as well, that she, they say she knew exactly what to wear and what kind of art people should purchase. And clearly she'd done a lot of studying. I guess she says that she looked at a lot of Vogue magazines and Things of that nature yeah. when she was young growing up and, and getting all these influences to create her sort of persona as someone who was classy and knowledgeable right. and intelligent and so forth. So I mean maybe she actually did have like a talent for
1: this kind of thing. But also I think that like she is somebody who you know how they say like if you act confident enough people yeah. will believe Take you until you make it. Like she took that Exactly. She took that to, like, an extreme level. And I am very much one of those people that, like, if somebody says something to me confidently, I'm like, they know what they're talking about. And so I imagine, like, there's a lot of people in, like, New York high society that are just, like, accepting. Because that's their crowd that run, they run in. They don't run around with, like, the normals like me. You know what I mean? So they're like, well, if she's in our crowd, she, she must be legit. She must know what she's talking well, she about. she ended up selling
0: her story to Netflix. And it's my understanding that she made... Couple hundred thousand dollars off of it. Oh, in 2018, after the article by Jessica Pressler was published in New York, Netflix paid Sorokin 320 thousand dollars for the rights to her life story. But the New York Attorney General's office sued Sorokin in 2019 using the Son of Sam law. Right, and it, that law basically prohibits anyone convicted of a crime from profiting from its publicity. And I think that that right. was in her head all along. that She was like, hey, if I go to jail and have this big trial, it's going to be a lot of publicity and then I'm going to be able to sell my story. But the mm-hmm. State Office of Victim Services froze about $140,000 in advance paid to Sorokin by Netflix. City National got about $100,000 of it and Citibank got the other $40,000. And then the remainder, it was used to pay legal fees. So Netflix's series, Inventing Anna, has nine episodes. It was actually written by Shonda Rhimes, who's the Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And it was released February 2022, which is this month. And it's actually gotten pretty good reviews, in my understanding. And Julia Garner is the, the woman that plays her. Garner, yeah. That yes. we were talking about. I know it was
1: Julia, but yeah. If you haven't seen *The Americans*, it's fascinating. I but was also
0: interesting it. is that same girl, Rachel Williams, who was frauded, defrauded, you know, bamboozled for that sixty thousand dollars in Marrakesh, she wrote a book about it, mm-hmm. and she received mm. about three hundred thousand dollars for the book, which she details the experiences okay. that she had with Anna and her the theft and the relationship that the two had, and how that theft affected her both financially and mentally and screenwriter Lena Dunham from HBO, you know her. Um she's from what's the name of that show? Girls. Girls. She paid Williams $35,000 for the television rights to the story and another $300,000 payment would be due after the option is exercised. Evidently it wasn't really it did that didn't pan out, but she got you know $335,000 for this story yep. about how she got defrauded. Um, But there's been a lot of media coverage for this as well. BBC Radio did a special called Fake Heiress, which was a six-episode podcast series. There were a lot of different podcasts that have covered this. 2020, I think, is one of them. But in um, late July and August 2021, Anna X, a stage play, was released in London. And then October 2021 was when the 2020 episode came out. Deborah Roberts interviewed her while she was in ICE custody. And it's an interesting interview. So if you have the opportunity, go check out that interview with 2020. She's just, she seems so like girl next door. But again, when you see her, you don't think this person is amazing. She's stunning. You think, how did she do that? (laughs) How did she get those people to give her all that money? Because she's not particularly well-spoken. She's kind of soft-spoken. And it just is really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, unless you have anything else you want to add to this. I don't. That is so fascinating. I I wonder if she's gotten paid for more publicity, you know, things of that nature, maybe as an influencer. I mean, she's got to be cashing in on this somehow.
1: Well, I bet whenever this ordeal is over, if she gets supported to Germany or is out of ICE custody, I bet there will be people lining up to give her, like, endorsement deals.
0: I mean, she's intelligent. I've seen some of her stuff. I looked at her uh, Instagram account and so forth, and you know she's creative and she's kind of funny yeah. in, in a in a certain kind of way. So I mean, I can see that she could potentially be a writer or like maybe get something going for herself in the creative uh, world. Well,
1: but it doesn't seem like she actually wants to work for anything. No, so it doesn't
0: seem like that at all. Yeah, like so if maybe not, she'll, she'll case, marry like, rich. She
1: could have been. She could have actually like become these things that she like faked her way into becoming because it does sound like she has she has some sort of talent for it or at least for t- pretending to be you know so she could well, she have actually turned like that into work her, a job but maybe i don't it know it doesn't sound like she actually or maybe had any she'll marry a that. rich
0: guy and, and wander off into the sunset
1: maybe <laughs> maybe i should start introducing myself as a russian i don't Harris. know
0: I wish her the best of luck. (laughs) Go for it, girl. Go do your thing. And I think some people, I think, looked at this case as well and sort of felt like a Robin Hood kind of a thing. Because wealthy society does not get the best reputation. No. People don't necessarily feel bad for super wealthy people. Right. But the people that she ripped off weren't the
1: super wealthy. Like, yes, the businesses and the corporations, and I understand that. But, like, her friend.
0: Rachel Williams wasn't super wealthy. Exactly. Yeah, I so mean, it's I not taking to, from the rich and getting to the poor. When you defraud banks and and other things like that, it doesn't you know necessarily impact them in the way you think it would. Yeah. It just results in higher rates for everyone else because they disperse it throughout the rate the rates for everyone. So she screwed it's, all of us. Yeah, basically. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Dope. But anyway, go check out the um, the Anna Delvey slash yeah. Anna Sorokin series on Netflix. Um, Tell us what you think. Send us an email. Let us know what your thoughts are yeah. on this. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can definitely shoot us an email as well. We're at thebfdpodcasts at gmail.com. If you have some information on the Bob Saget case as well, we'd love to hear from you. Social media? Yeah, we are at the BFD Podcast on Instagram. So we'll be
1: posting um, some pictures. I don't know exactly what we'll have for the Bob Saget thing, but we'll definitely be posting pictures of Anna and, and Julia Garner and her portrayal
0: of Anna and things like that. Absolutely, and please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys.